um, never mind. I'll say that in a second. How was your week? How's your week been? Uh, it's been good. Yeah? Had a weird week at work just because I fully believe that a full moon makes people do weird shit, and they did that. Yeah. Tried and true theory so far. How's your week? Good. You know, now we're on vacation, so it's so much better. Oh my god, it's so much better. Yeah. I love it. An officer at work has COVID, so... Surprise, Thank surprise. God we're not going there. I know, right? <laughs> um, Dodge that bullet. Yeah. No, it's been good. I loved uh, researching for this. In fact, I almost bought like three or four books about it today. I didn't. Okay, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what a weirdo. Because we buy books all the time and then we just don't read them. And I feel like that would happen here. I so. know. Yeah, probably. We'll we probably start look reading those books. On our next Barnes & Noble date, I'll go look. But yeah. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. How are you? I'm good. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Just doing things. I was very excited to research what I did because I was talking to people at work about it and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, they weren't familiar with it. I'm shocked at how few people know about what you're talking about because as soon as you told me, I'm like, oh, dope, sweet. Yeah. I've heard of that. Right. But maybe, I don't know. I feel like I grew up watching, like, all kinds of like shows on travel channel and mm-hmm. like sci-fi and stuff like that about uh like conspiracies and you know, bigfoot and yeah. ghosts like and i thought that was normal <laughs> and then like knowing how many people don't know stuff we know but you haven't heard of what i'm i'm not a really talking conspiracy about person. So. i think it's because i know i would go so headfirst into that rabbit hole of conspiracies that i don't even want to <laughs> I don't want to even try. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would be so headfirst in some of these conspiracies. This is one of the few conspiracies that I've... Well, this is one of the only conspiracies I've ever heard, and I believe it wholeheartedly. I think you'll believe mine. I'm sure, exactly. This is why I don't like conspiracies. Do you want to know why I think you'll believe mine? Why? Because 70% of U.S. Um, citizens don't believe the, the Warren Commission. I'm talking about JFK. Mm-hmm. Surprise. Yeah. So only 30% believe that what the official story is, is like actually what happened. Oh. So you think I'm just like everybody else? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Prove me wrong. We'll see. We'll will. see. We'll see. Okay. Do you want to hear about it? Um, Real quick before you start, I do want to do a correction to the last episode about cursed paintings. We were watching an episode about um, Ghost Adventures Artifacts. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's like the spinoff where Zach is talking about his museum and the things that he has. And Mm -hmm. like there's people that come in with special things that it's he... like haunted pawn stars yeah yeah that's a good way to put it but like we were watching we were just watching it last weekend and there just so happened to be a woman from the uk that comes over and she's like i have a picture of the crying boy and, and she brings it in she brings it in <laughs> and i was like god damn it in my research it just talked about how he has the painting of um the hands create him or one of i don't remember yeah, whatever the prequel like the, one was called uh-huh. um so she was in there with the crying boy painting, and she tried to sell it to him, and I believe he turned it down. I think he said no. Yeah, yeah I think he turned it down, and he's like... really wrong. Yeah, I know, it but, just... like, I just feel bad that, like, that was out there in the world, and that was so cool to talk, like, watch, whatever. Yeah. If you want to see what happens, just watch what we just talked about, the Ghost Adventures artifacts. 10 out of 10-ish. 
It's well, sad. It's dramatized. Are we surprised? It gets better. The that first episode I showed you was like embarrassingly <laughs> dramatized. It gets a little bit better, but no, it is very on brand for Zach Baggins. Baggins. Big ol' bites. Yep. So there we go. That's all I wanted to say real quick before we got too deep. Love it. Okay, all yours, my love. Okay, so let me tell you about John F. Kennedy. I love it. Um, he was born on May 29th in 1917 mm-hmm. in Brookline, Massachusetts, and his family was, like, very wealthy and very embedded in, like, the political world. Right. So it was not surprising when he grew up to be, you know, a senator, grew up to be president. None of that was surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, he grew up, or grew up, he graduated from Harvard in 1940. He was known Impressive. for, yeah, well, he was not exactly the best at school he was more interested in girls and sports which can relate to that um but yeah he ended up graduating from harvard um joined the navy the next year in 1941 where he commanded a series of pt boats in the pacific theater which um was right in the middle of world war ii so that was not against like the nazis that was against japan okay so that was that part of the war so that's where he was um Working after that, he got elected to the House of Representatives, uh, and he was in the House from 1947 to 1953. During this time, he published a book called Profiles in Courage, which ended up winning a Pulitzer. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very impressive. Yep. And then in 1960, he beat Republican opponent Richard Nixon barely uh, in the presidential election. Basically, yes. he, like... A lot of people think that he got Lyndon B. Johnson on the ticket as his vice president because he was way more Republican. Mm-hmm. Kennedy was young, super Catholic, super Democratic. And yeah. so he had he brought Lyndon on because he was more Republican and kind of won over those votes. Yeah. So, like, he didn't do very well in states like Texas or yeah. super red states. Um, So his administration was kind of controversial um there were a lot of high tensions with the communist states during the cold war um so he was dealing with that and that led to an increased number of like american military advisors in south vietnam mm-hmm. he authorized an attempt to overthrow the cuban government of fidel castro so that's known as the invasion of the bay of pigs right. did not go well if people say that he like legit botched it so that created a lot of tensions interesting um because of how poorly that went, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, he continued to attempt to plan an invasion of Cuba. Um, and then in October of 1962, a U.S. spy plane observed Russian-Soviet missiles bases that had been deployed into Cuba, which uh, led to the Cuban Missile Crisis. So that was like, oh, shit. Right. Like, they're putting bases within, like, firing range of the U.S. Yeah. Scary. So. Almost led to a whole breakout of uh, thermonuclear, like, war. So it was, like, Jeez. damn near World War III. Um, and then he ended up being the president to sign the first nuclear weapon treaty in 1963, mm-hmm. um, which kind of quelled those issues a little bit. Right. Um, he supported the African-American Civil Rights Movement, which is super duper. Yeah. And sounds... he continued the Apollo Space Program, which is notorious for him also. Um, he was really big about the space race and wanting to get a man on the moon from the U.S., so. Right. Okay, so, what we're talking about. 
his assassination. So I'll give you the bare bones facts first. Okay. I'm going to tell you about the Warren Commission and their findings. Right. And then I'm going to tell you about issues with that and then conspiracy theories. Cool. Cool. The farthest knowledge that I have besides he was assassinated is what I've learned from, what is it called? Oh my gosh, why can't, Umbrella Academy. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool fiction shows, like that one I was telling you about, um, Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three with James Franco. It was yeah. actually written by Stephen King. It's really Ooh. cool. We should watch it. Um, it's on Hulu. If you guys have not seen it, very interesting. Um, so November twenty second, nineteen sixty three, at twelve thirty, um, President Kennedy was in Dallas on a political trip which was mm-hmm. aimed at soothing over some issues in the Democratic Party between John Connolly, who was um, like a representative of Texas, mm-hmm. and um, Ralph and Don Yarborough, who have the exact same last name but are not related. So there were issues between all three of them, and he was kind of going to like meet with all of them and smooth things over. Okay. Um, and to also, I don't know, it was kind of a pre-election trip too because he didn't do super well in texas and he was trying to kind of amp up yeah what he was doing down there uh during the trip there was a presidential motorcade planned through the downtown area of dallas um kenny insisted on driving in a convertible which would never in a million years happen now and he was sitting in the back seat with jackie and then in the front was uh governor Connolly and his i think his wife was in there and then the driver um, so they're going through downtown Dallas, and Kennedy ends up getting shot once in the back, the bullet exiting via his throat, and then once in the head. Um, the one that went through his throat ended up hitting Governor Connolly, too. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. Um, he was taken immediately, uh, from there via that same vehicle to Parkland Hospital, where he ended up being pronounced dead about half an hour later. He was basically dead on arrival, but they Ugh. had to do, like, everything they could because right. he's a president. Yeah. Um, he got flown to Washington for his autopsy, which ended up being an issue because there is a law in Texas where um, whenever, like, a homicide occurs, there there has to be an autopsy done in the state Preferably in the city where it happened. Yeah. Prior to the body being shipped out of state. So doctors at Parkland were like, no, we're upholding the law. We're going to do the autopsy here. Secret Service was like, absolutely not. We're taking that body right now to his hospital. So it was like a whole thing. Uh, I feel like federal government overweighs state law. I don't know. I mean, I guess Does I Does the Secret Service have authority, though? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Secret Service members, if you're listening, Mm -hmm. tell us how that would work. I don't know. That is a pretty controversial part of it, though, when it comes to the idea of, like, a cover-up. Yeah, so, I mean, It's like they wanted to do their own in-house autopsy. And make their own findings. Mm -hmm. Or find their own findings, I mean. Yep. Um, interesting enough, down the road, um, about 45 minutes after Kennedy was shot... Um, an officer named J.D. Tippett was shot and killed. And that's how they found Lee Harvey Oswald, is he ended up being charged with that murder, and then he was also reportedly seen in the window of the Texas School Book Depository, about six stories up where he worked, mm-hmm. um, and where it was believed that the shots that killed Kennedy were fired. So first he was charged with the cop, um, and then they were like, oh shit, this is the same guy that they saw in the window, and so they charged him with Kennedy's murder. But he uh, worked there, you said? Murder. Yeah. Okay, that... Okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, he denied shooting anyone uh, throughout the entire process. And in fact, he was, um, they would take him from room to room to room to room, which was weird. So nobody really ever knew where he was being interrogated. Mm-hmm. And along one of the movements from one room to another, um, the press was there and they asked him about what he thought of his charges. He's like, well, I haven't been charged with that yet. So I don't know. And the, the reporter was like, ah, what? you've been charged with that. And he was like, super surprised. Like, you can, if you watch that clip, the look on his face is like, oh, He's shit. kept in the dark about yeah. all this thing. I guess. I don't know. Nobody oh, really knows because wow. nothing was really recorded back then. Right. On one, on November 24th, um, he was being moved again and he was in the sally port of um, the, the facility they were at. And a man named Jack Ruby was somehow in there and shot and killed him. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. I remember that like I was alive. And Jack says that he did it because he was a fervent supporter of JFK and he didn't want Jackie to have to come back and be a part of the trial and relive all of that. And all. So he says that he did it so that there wouldn't be any trial. For Jackie. Mm-hmm. Yep. He ended up... Uh, getting a life sentence for that but he died of cancer before that was ever served out yeah so um jackie the woman who was trying to pick up her husband's brain yes wouldn't be able to stand trial correct lyndon b johnson gets sworn in as the president like almost immediately after um interesting fact they took kennedy's body and um the tradition on planes is caskets and things go in the hole mm-hmm. um but the crew was like not having that they're like we're not putting president kennedy in the hole of this plane so they cut out a bigger doorway in the plane so that kennedy's casket could be in the main cabin with everybody oh. and, and jackie oh my god sat with him so they swear so lbj in on uh on air force one and there's photos of that i can post that later and um he immediately creates um basically an investigatory commission to figure out what the hell happened yeah um it's a little bit different because oswald was dead so there it was just a different procedure right and nobody in the modern time had ever really dealt with um an assassination like this so he comes up with the warren commission uh which interviewed 552 witnesses holy shit Mm mm-hmm um, it was made up of several uh, lawmakers and politicians, different men um, that LBJ selected himself who would investigate um, the events as they happened. They met formally for the first time on December 5th of 1963, and they were on the second floor of the National Archives building in Washington, D.C., They interviewed 552 witnesses, and they concluded that, one, shots that killed President Kennedy and wounded Governor Connolly were fired from the sixth floor window at the southeast corner of the Texas School Book Depository. Um, Two, President Kennedy was first struck by a bullet which entered the back of his neck and then exited through the lower front portion of his neck, which caused a wound which might... Or might not have been lethal. It's really hard to say, depending... It's time-dependent mm. on that kind of wound. So, if they if he had just been shot there, and they had gotten him to the hospital super fast, he might have survived it. They don't know. Yeah. The president was struck a second time by a bullet that entered the right ear portion of his head. So, like, kind of where um, Lincoln was shot, to be honest with you. Right ear, rear... And then uh, caused a massive and fatal wound, so he was dead there. Shit. 
Governor Connolly was struck by a bullet, which entered the right side of his back and traveled downward through the right side of his chest, exiting below um, his right nipple, and then the bullet passed through his right wrist and entered his left thigh, where it caused just a basic superficial wound. Um, And this was the same bullet that went through Kennedy's neck. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Um, So pretty high. They were pretty close in proximity, though, That the way that that car was situated, so... Okay. Yeah. Um, there's no credible evidence. The shots were fired from the triple underpass ahead of the mo- motorcade, so they were going towards an underpass and then went under it, and so some people thought that shots might have been fired from the front, and so there was no evidence that that is what happened, um, or from any other location. Uh... The weight of the evidence indicates that there were three shots fired, although it's not necessary to any essential findings of the commission to determine which shot hit Governor Connolly. There's very persuasive evidence to believe it was the one that came from his throat. Came from Kennedy's throat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm <laughs> sorry, you said there was three shots? Mm-hmm. But there was two wounds on Kennedy? Mm-hmm. Do we know where the third one went? They think it hit the street. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. The shots which killed President Kennedy and wounded Governor Connolly were fired by Lee Harvey Oswald. Oswald killed killed Dallas Police Patrolman J.D. Tippett approximately 45 minutes after the assassination. Jack Ruby entered the basement of the Dallas Police Department and killed Lee Harvey Oswald, and there's no evidence to support the rumor that Ruby may have been assisted by any members of the Dallas Police Department. However, how does some rando get into the sally port or the basement of a police department? Do they have high security like we do now? Do they have locked doors? It was secured. Yeah. I mean, Mm. imagine if you could just willy-nilly go into any part of the police department ever. The commission found no evidence that either Lee Harvey Oswald or Jack Ruby were part of any conspiracy, domestic or foreign, to assassinate President Kennedy. Commission found no evidence that any kind of conspiracy, subversion, or disloyalty to the U.S. government by any federal, state, or local official occurred. The commission could not make any definitive determination of Oswald's motives, mm-hmm. probably because he was dead, and they couldn't interview him any further. And then they believed that the recommendations for improvements in the presidential protection were compelled by the facts disclosed in the investigation. So no more convertibles. Just fair. Damn it. I know. Could you imagine? No. We'd have all the dead presidents. <laughs> I know. I really I really cannot fathom what that would even look like logistically. Um, immediately after they released the findings, there was all kinds of skepticism over like what they found. Um, four of the seven members of the commission um, had serious doubts regarding the conclusions of the commission that the president and Governor Colony were both wounded by the, quote, they call it the, quote, magic bullet. Um, because of the way Connolly was sitting, it looks like it did this, like, S-curve weird, like, sh- shenanigans when it came to the path that the bullet took. Mm-hmm. But I'll explain that in a minute, why that could be possible. Okay. Um, let's see. And they were skeptical about the view that Oswald acted alone. Um, in the years following the release of the report, in 26 investigatory evidence volumes, so they literally put out 26 books of everything that they found Okay. in 1964. Uh, the Warren Commission was frequently criticized for some of its methods, um, important omissions that they made, mm-hmm. and 
the conclusions that they came to. Um, in 1992, basically Clinton was like, we're going to have a records review board. And so he came up with a whole new team that was going to look at everything again. Okay. <laughs> and they would basically collect and preserve the documents that related to it. And um, in the footnotes of their conclusions, they wrote, uh, doubts about the Warren Commission's findings were not restricted to ordinary Americans. Well before 1978, President Johnson, Robert F. Kennedy, and four of the seven members of the Warren Commission all articulated, if sometimes off the record, some level of skepticism of what they ended up finding in the Warren Commission. And like I said before, more than 70% of the American population believes that they got it wrong. So, Cool. So, <clears throat> let's talk about witness tampering and intimidation during the Warren oh Commission. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's kind of like um, we played this game last night of murder mystery solving people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got to read out loud some of the interviews and the detective part of the interviews was very <laughs> Just tell me you did it. Yeah. We all know you did it. Right? It was weird. I love it. Yeah. Because that's totally how we do it. Yeah. Obviously. No. Cops. <laughs> making people commit crimes that they didn't do. Ugh. I mean, I, I'm just going to say there are bad cops. I'm not saying that every cop is perfect. Right. But just... on the whole, I think most do it pretty on the level. They but good, they, who am I? They try their hardest. Mm-hmm. We're all human. Imagine if you did your job perfectly. I probably you wouldn't don't. be just a basic patrolman. I'd probably be cop of the year. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so Richard Byer wrote um, that many witnesses whose statements pointed to a conspiracy were either ignored or intimidated by the Warren Commission. In JFK, the last dissenting witness, which was a 1992 biography of Gene Hill, was who was um, a witness. Mm-hmm. Bill Sloan, the author of that book wrote that the Warren Commission assistant counsel Arlen Specter attempted to humiliate, discredit, and intimidate Hill into changing her story. Hill also told Sloan that she was abused by Secret Service agents, harassed by the FBI, and received death threats after her um, testimony. Love it. Yep. Another book by the same guy... Uh, which was called JFK Breaking the Silence, quotes several assassination eyewitnesses as saying the Warren Commission interviewers repeatedly cut short or stifled any comments casting doubt on the conclusion that Oswald basically did it alone. So they went into this investigation with him in mind. Yeah, if not open-minded to thinking about anybody else. Mm -hmm. Are these the books that you are going to purchase? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) I could. I would love to. (laughs) I don't know when I would have time to read any of them. Um, in another book by a man named Jim Mars called Crossfire, he gives accounts of several people who said they were intimidated by either FBI agents or anonymous individuals into altering or suppressing what they knew regarding the assassination. A Texas school book depository employee named Joe Molina was, quote, intimidated by authorities and lost his job soon after the assassination. Interesting. And another witness named Ed Hoffman was warned by an FBI agent that he, quote, might get killed. If he revealed what he observed in Dealey Plaza on the day of the assassination. That's just, like, the tip. Like, I did not add... I'm just going to put this out there, that there are, like, a bajillion different issues (laughs) that come up when you really dig into this. And this could literally be its own podcast series. So, if I miss 
something that you're like, oh my god, I can't believe she didn't talk about that. Trust me, I probably wanted to. Um, but also, we can only do so much in we, one episode. Yeah, like, people we talking about different totally things. make it a whole series, but mm-hmm. then that defeats the purpose of what we wanted to make a podcast for. Right. Also, if I don't talk about a theory that you like, sorry. Email <laughs> us and maybe we'll try to do it later. Yes. The Warren Commission found that shots that killed Kennedy and wounded Connolly were fired from an Italian uh, 6.5 millimeter, uh, basically an Italian rifle called a Carcano, Uh which was owned by Lee Harvey Oswald. It was a pretty common um, World War II, like, issued weapon. Uh They're super clunky, um, hard to get off a lot of rounds. Like, you literally have to put in a round cock it back, shoot, and they're just very, um, they're not fast, basically. So you more than likely would not have gotten two shots off that quickly? Oh, we'll talk about that, too. Okay. I got you. I love you. Um, the issue with this is that Deputy Sheriff Eugene Boone and Deputy Constable Seymour Weitzman both initially identified the rifle found in the Texas School Book Depository as a 7.65 German Mauser, which is a totally different gun. Yep. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, Weitzman signed an affidavit the following day describing the weapon as that, um, a 7.65 Mauser bolt action equipped with a 418 scope, a thick leather brownish backsling on it, and Deputy Roger Craig claimed that he saw a 7.65 Mauser stamped on the barrel of the weapon when he was interviewed in 1968 by, um, an author named, uh... Barry Ernest, who wrote The Girl on the Stairs, the search for the missing witness to the JFK assassination, Craig said, quote, I felt then, and I still feel now, that the weapon was a 7.65 German Mauser. I was there. I saw it when it was first pulled from its hiding place, and I'm not alone in describing it as such. Dallas District Attorney Henry Wade told the press that the weapon found in the book depository was a Mauser, and the media reported that, but investigators later identified the rifle as a 6.5 Carcano. Um, in the book Matrix for Assassination, author Richard Gilbride suggested that both weapons were probably involved in the assassination, that Dallas Police Captain Will Fritz and Lieutenant J. Carl Day both might have been conspirators. I don't know if that's true or not. Who's to say? In addressing, quote, speculation and rumors, the Warren Commission identified Weitzman as the original source of the speculation that the rifle was a Mauser and stated that, quote, police lab techs subsequently arrived and correctly identified the murder weapon as a 6.5 Italian rifle. Okay. I don't know. It's a cop. Right. Yeah. Too bad they didn't have body cams back then. Such a shame. Such a shame. (laughs) It's not even my turn. I can't talk already. Okay, so let's get into some theories. I've only got a couple that I'm going to share with you because there's a bajillion. I love it. Um, Let's start with the mafia. Okay. So organized crime was gigantic back then. We all know this. Um, In 1964, the Warren Commission found no evidence uh, linking Jack Ruby's killing of Oswald with any broader conspiracy to assassinate President Kennedy, which we mentioned before. And they brought this up because there was a lot of speculation in the public that Jack Ruby was heavily involved with organized crime. Okay. I I, I wouldn't be surprised because everybody was. Right. Um, Even I was. Exactly. Um, the commission concluded that Lee Harvey Oswald was the only person responsible for assassinating the president, asserting, quote, 
Based on its evaluation of the record, the commission believes that the evidence does not establish a significant link between Ruby and organized crime. Both state and federal officials have indicated that Jack Ruby was not affiliated with organized criminal activity. However, in 1979, the House Select Committee on Assassinations, which was like this very committee that was hired to look at these findings. Yeah. They, everything's been like reevaluated a bajillion times because there's so much right. questioning going yeah. on. So they look at him and they wrote that the committee believes on the basis of the evidence available to it that the National Syndicate of Organized Crime as a group was not involved in the assassination, but that the available evidence does not preclude the possibility that individual members might have been involved. Gotcha. Some believe that New Orleans mafia boss Carlos Marcello uh, was likely a part of a mafia conspiracy behind it, and that he and the mafia had the means and the opportunity required to carry it out. Um, they believe that <clears throat> because there's a lot of like pedigree that Jack Ruby, even though the Warren Commission said that he's not involved with, in the, with uh, organized crime, there was a lot of evidence saying that he was um, he had ties to Joseph Savello, who was the organized crime boss in Dallas. Um, he had a relationship with Joseph Campisi, who was the number two man in the mob in Dallas. And uh, Campisi and Ruby were close friends. They had dinner together at Campisi's restaurant often. Um, and they even had dinner there on the night before the assassination. So. Oh, <clears throat> wow. After Ruby was jailed for killing Oswald, uh, Campisi regularly visited him. The Warren Commission just kind of ignored that. Why else would he visit him? <laughs> okay. Uh, government documents have revealed that some members of the mafia worked with the CIA on assassination attempts against Cuban leader Fidel Castro. That's pretty well known. Uh, in 1960, the CIA recruited ex-FBI agent Robert Mayhew to approach the West Coast representative of the Chicago mob, Johnny Roselli. He contacts Roselli and basically paid, offered to pay him 150 grand to go have Castro killed. That's it? Yeah, I don't know how much that is now. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, that was, what, 70 years ago? Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> is that right? 40, 50, 60 years ago. Asking the wrong 60 person. years ago. So basically, there's a lot of evidence that the CIA and the FBI were contacting these big mob bosses because the mob bosses had these connections and they did a lot of trade with different countries and things like that mm -hmm. so there's italian mob bosses there's cuban mob bosses like the mafia is not just like the italian mafia it is organized crime throughout all kinds of different people right and communities and stuff mm -hmm. and so there's some belief that basically the mob was hired also to help kennedy get elected and so he successfully got elected, and then he and his brother, uh, Robert, who he appointed as the attorney general, they get elected, and then all of a sudden they launch this massive campaign to get rid of the mafia. And so they're like, what the fuck, dude? Like, we got you into here, and now you're trying to get rid of us. So yeah. there's the Bay of Pigs was an issue because the Cuban mafia down in Florida was pissed because they didn't like Fidel Castro, so they said, well, Kennedy really fucked that up, and now we still have to live with Castro, and we don't get all these trade ties that we want. So yeah. Fidel Castro not being, you know, coup d'etat out yeah. uh, was a problem for the Cuban mafia, because they wanted to get back into Cuba, and they didn't like Castro. Right. 
So there's all these different uh, <clears throat> mafia ties to, you know, we could get into the Jack Ruby ties. We can get into the Lee Harvey Oswald ties. There's a bajillion of them. But when it comes down to it, the mafia had motive and they had the means and the ability to carry out an assassination like that. Totally. Now, whether or not they could do it in this manner that makes it almost the perfect crime that really hasn't really been solved yeah. at this point, I don't know. A lot of people think that the mafia was working alongside the CIA, was working alongside the KGB, all of them were in this big gigantic plan to get rid of Kennedy. I'm not sure. Could you imagine everybody in the world just coming together to just kill one man? <laughs> kind of. I mean, that's what America does. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so let's move on. Yep. The CIA theory. Okay, Got it. so there's some speculation that Oswald um, was a CIA agent or had some kind of ties or relationship with the agency. Warren Commission said that their investigation revealed no evidence that Oswald was ever employed by the CIA in any capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no indication in Oswald's CIA file that he had ever had contact with the agency and concluded that the CIA was not involved in the assassination of Kennedy. However, um, Gaten Fonzie, who was an investigator for the House Select Committee on Assassinations, which was the one in like the 70s that mm-hmm. happened, mm-hmm. Um, he wrote that investigators were pressured to not look at the relationship between Oswald and the CIA. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. He stated that um, Agent David Phillips, using the pseudonym Maurice Bishop, was involved with Oswald prior to the Kennedy assassination in connection with anti-Castro Cuban groups. And along with that, um, Lee Harvey Oswald is very well known. He was a Marine, and then he basically defected to Russia, went over there, tried to denounce his American citizenship uh-huh. and get a Russian-Soviet citizenship, right. and they're like, nah, we don't really want you that bad. Yeah. He picks up a wife there, brings her back. Oh. So there's, like, a very well-known tie between the KGB and him, and then the KGB putting <laughs> missiles in Cuba, so there's all these different ties, right? Um, so they're saying the CIA used him because he had those ties in their, like, anti-Castro dealings. Yeah. Uh, in 95, former U.S. Army Intelligence Officer and NSA Executive Assistant John Newman published evidence that both the CIA and FBI deliberately tampered with their files on Lee Harvey Oswald, both before and after the assassination. Got it. And he found that both agencies withheld information that might have alerted authorities in Dallas that Oswald posed a potential threat to the president. Oh. Beforehand. Okay. Um, They withheld that? Apparently. Okay. Newman expressed belief that CIA chief of counterintelligence, James Angleton, was probably a key figure in the assassination, and according to Newman, only Angleton had the access, the authority, and the ingenious mind to manage such a sophisticated plot. I don't know if that's true, but... um, Under Alan Dulles, who was a former CIA director... And later, he was a Warren Commission member who had been dismissed by Kennedy after the failed Bay of Pigs invasion. He was the main part of the Warren Commission, and this guy Newman uh, was saying that the cover operation was under Alan Dulles, and that he used this guy, James Angleton, to get to Oswald to 
carry out the assassination. Gotcha. And then in 1977, the FBI released 40,000 files pertaining to the assassination of Kennedy, including an April 3rd, 1967 memorandum from the deputy director um, to associate director of the FBI, which was written less than a month after President Johnson learned from J. Edgar Hoover about CIA plots to kill Fidel Castro. So Johnson was like, holy shit, this all happened. We didn't know that CIA was trying to kill Castro. Kennedy knew. Johnson supposedly didn't. Oh. I was like, what? Yep. I knew. So he finds that out, and then the memorandum also read that Marvin Watson, who was an advisor to President Johnson, called um, him a late at night and stated that the president told him in an off moment that he was now convinced that there was a plot in connection with the JFK assassination and Watson stated that the president, Johnson, felt that the CIA had something to do with it. But that was never, like, officially on the record. Yeah. So that's kind of the gist of why... The CIA was not super... A lot of these agencies weren't super thrilled with Kennedy because he just kind of like threw away the the figurehead thing that the president has right yeah so a lot of people think that the president is just he just sits there and he does what he's told and he he's rank and file and really it's like congress and all these different agencies that are running everything but he was like nope i'm doing this 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 and here's how we're gonna do it and people didn't like that right that he wanted to do a job last let me tell you my favorite theory that I believe 100%. Okay. And after this, we're going to watch JFK, The Smoking Gun, which okay. is um, my favorite documentary on this and why I think it is 100% true. We talked about how we were unsure if that clunky old rifle could get off all those shots, right? Right. So a man named Howard Donahue was an expert marksman who participated in, like, a televised recreation of the shooting, and they got all these marksmen together to see if they could shoot the same thing that basically they thought uh, Oswald shot. So they were in a window six stories up, and they had a moving target that went along a track. They had the same type of rifle, same rounds, everything that Oswald had, and they had... um, They were trying to shoot three rounds in 5.6 seconds. Oh, my God. He was the only one who could do it. The marksman? Yes. Okay. Are we surprised? This guy, Howard Donahue, was the only one of this entire group of marksmen who could do it. So are we going with the assumption that Oswald wasn't a marksman? Well, so he wasn't... He had never been in any kind of, like... Like shooting Higher training besides, like, basic basic training with like, the marines like he wasn't a known like expert like marksman or whatever no no um so donahue is the only one who could get that many rounds off in the time reported in the official records and after that um he was basically asked to write a report on the ballistic side supporting the warren commission's theory because they were like, oh, you could do it. You could, you can write a report that says that Oswald could have done it. Right. And he was like, I'm not just going to do that. I'm going to do my own investigation. He was a ballistics expert also. Okay. Quick question. Go ahead. So when they were doing this test, and he's the only one that was able to do the three shots in that mm-hmm. amount of time, mm-hmm. you said that they were doing it with the tracks, too. So they yeah. were like... They were shooting at a moving target. They were shooting at a moving target, and he was able to not only do that within that amount of time, but also hit the target in the mm-hmm. correct places. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Yeah. That sounds hard. (laughs) Right? 
So, um, he decided he was going to write an article, but would do his own research first, and this led him down the rabbit hole of all rabbit holes. Uh So, um, he eventually decided that the bullet that struck Kennedy in the head was actually fired by the United States Secret Service agent that was in the car behind him. Okay. Here, let me tell you why. Um, the Secret Service agent in question is George Warren Hickey Jr., who died in 2005, and he was carrying an AR-15 rifle in the car immediately following the president's vehicle. So if you're looking, um, he was in the driver's side rear seat. Of the car behind Of him. the car behind Kennedy. Um, so he proposed that, um, the first shot that was fired was fired by Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, it hit the street, that's that one that we talked about, hit the street, and Hickey, as a Secret Service agent, was like, oh shit. The second shot gets fired by Oswald, which hit President Kennedy and Texas Governor John Connolly, and the the magic bullet theory is dismissed here because in the video you can see Connolly turning to his right because he hears that first shot. Right. He turns to his right, and in the vehicle that they were in, the back seats were elevated above the front seats, so the front seats were a little bit lower. So the way that he was turned puts a perfect straight-line trajectory of that bullet. Okay. The Warren Commission just didn't realize that he had been turned. They thought he was facing forward, which is why the bullet did all these weird S-turns, whatever. It actually didn't do that because of the way that he was positioned. Um, President's car and the follow-up car containing Hickey sped up. Um, This is attested to by Secret Service agent Clint Hill. And then Agent Hickey, like I said, he was unstable because he's standing on the cushion of the seat um, instead of the floor. Begins to fall back because of the acceleration of the vehicle. Pulled the trigger of his AR. Guns pointed towards Kennedy. Right then, the bullet strikes him squarely in the back of the head. So, the wound on the back of Kennedy's head wasn't consistent with the type of bullet that Oswald was using. He was using full metal jackets, which creates a very clean hole. Like his neck. Like his neck. And like every wound in Connolly. However, um, the Secret Service was using a hollow point frangible round like we carry, right? And those are designed when they hit something, they explode. Yeah. They do this, and they create way more damage. That's right. the point of them. And so if you look at photos of Kennedy's head, it is, like, horrific how exploded it is. And in this documentary, they show it. They show Oswald round going through a cantaloupe, and it just makes a hole. And they shoot one of these rounds through the cantaloupe, oh, and the shit. whole cantaloupe explodes. Oh, fuck. Yep. In 1997, uh, that review of events happened via Clinton. X-ray tech Gerald Custer testified that his boss instructed him to tape metal bullet fragments from a full metal jacket round consistent with Oswald's rounds to the skull of Kennedy and re-X-ray the skull with those fragments taped on. Are you fucking kidding me? No, he testified to that. And then he was put under a gag order. That's my big one. I have that. So they just taped pieces of this bullet to his head to make the X-ray. In parallel... Donahue believed that Oswald's second shot through Kennedy's neck might have already critically wounded him. Like we said, we can't really tell. That's a pretty bad wound. But depending on the time it took to get him help, um, may or may not have killed him. Donahue's reconstruction of the trajectories of the shots that killed um, Kennedy and struck Governor Connolly supported the single bullet 
theory, okay. which I told you about. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and the Secret Service denies any shots being fired by their agents that day, but more than 10 witnesses reported smelling gunpowder at street level, which would be very rare if the <laughs> shots came stories. from six stories up. Okay. Um, and also they reported, there were several witnesses that say the Secret sh- Service was shooting back. What? They didn't even know where it was coming from until after Kennedy was dead. But these are all witnesses that were not included. None of the 500 that were? Right. So they were originally interviewed. And then the basically the Warren Commission did oh, not didn't call their them, narrative. Didn't call them to testify. I see. Yeah. Because they had already read all the original reports. Reports. Gotcha. So. That's the theory I go with. I like that theory. Uh-huh. I like it, especially since it's like... The difference in the bullets and the ballistics, it really fucking matters. The whole thing is about science. And so he wrote this book. That's the book that I wanted to buy. It's called Mortal Error. And it's all about that. And it's apparently incredibly thorough, very well explained. Um, Not just like an expert's view. It's like very layman's terms. Like, here's how it happened. And that came out in the 90s. But people just weren't interested in it because it did make sense. And it was math and it was science. And people wanted other theories they wanted there's some theory about um like a poison dart being shot that had this like shrimp toxin in it that would have killed him there's all kinds of weird theories there's a um an ice bullet theory oh my god like all kinds of shit and people like that because they're like oh my god that's wild but they don't like this because this is like legit because it makes sense yeah so that's one i go with i like it what do you think I agree with that one, especially with, like I said, the difference in ballistics. Like, hollow points do make a vast amount mm-hmm. of difference. And yep. And I scratched the surface, the bare surface of that. We'll have to watch that documentary and see yeah. what you think. Because I've watched it probably four or five times in the past two days. No. Like, your lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's phenomenal. So, that's Kennedy. Apparently, a bunch of documents were supposed to be released... A few couple years ago, and like last minute, the CIA asked Trump not to, and he was like, "Okay, I just won't do it." And so he put it off until twenty twenty one. So we'll see if that happens next year or not. We'll see. Yeah, that um, agent sued the that Donahue guy. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I'm sorry, you fucking killed the president. Yeah, so he he put that book out, and he tried to sue him, but he waited too long. So it didn't go through. And then the paperback version came out and he sued and they were in litigation for forever. And eventually the publishing company just settled. Gotcha. But the book still exists. So Okay. What was he suing him for? Slander? Yeah. I mean, it's not really slander. It's saying you killed the president. <laughs> By name. It's saying that he killed the president. <laughs> I would say that's slander. <laughs> Unless well, it's true. Yeah. Well, he took it to his grave <laughs> if it was true. So I think it would be interesting if they would have done like... Because it's like with officers, if there's an officer-involved shootings, they will take your clips and take your rounds and see how many you fired and, like, watch the footage if there is body cam footage and see, like, what's going on. Like, they didn't think of, like, going through the Secret Service and well, being like, this, well, because there was, like, that shootout or whatever. Here's the thing is, the night before, they were all out drinking yeah. until, like, three or four in the morning, and then the, it was a new weapon. It was. They all had handguns, but this was one of the first times any of them had been carrying an AR-style weapon. And but, right after this, they stopped. Oh, surprise. 
<laughs> it's like they knew. Yeah, so in the Warren Commission, um, people testified to, agents testified to having that in that car. They were like, yep, there was an AR-15 style weapon in the backseat of the car. Here's who had it. And then the head of the Secret Service was like, nope. But the Warren Commission was like, well, what about all these testimonies? And the head of the Secret Service was like, well, we don't carry that anymore. Yeah, but what about when you did? <laughs> I know. So, okay. yeah, that's where I'm at. How interesting. I'm going to tell you about <laughs> a conspiracy or several conspiracies about one thing. And this one thing is native to our state. Love it. And I've gone there several times. I feel like everybody that lives in Colorado has been there several times. Or has ever flown to Colorado. Yeah. Um. It's the Denver International Airport. Love it. Yeah. So here are the conspiracies. Um, D. I'm going to call it DIA for short. Makes sense. DIA is the sixth biggest. Nope. Correction. DIA is the sixth busiest airport in the country. Makes sense because it's Denver. Uh-huh. It opened February of 1995. It was originally supposed to open October of 1993, but the two-year delay is because of design changing contract disputes and other unforeseen setbacks um two years i don't You're know doing like air quotes i'm doing air quotes that. of, uh, <laughs> that's probably going to be everything that i talk about is like the air quote thing because my sources were always trying to debunk right the conspiracies and so sure. like i'm giving you the debunctions of what people are trying to claim right. that they are but i yeah so <laughs> also when the airport's was being created it had a uh, its original budget which i don't know how much that was but it was three billion dollars more than anticipated billion wow billion it's a little bit of a that is so mistake, isn't it? much money it design <laughs> changes my ass that's not worth three billion dollars no but whatever so with all these setbacks it was a hearty thought before it was even made that um people thought that dia was going through contractors um, and, like, all of these people in order to keep changing the design so that nobody knew what the actual scope of the project was. Hmm. So that, like, the moment somebody was there for, like, too long. It's like some H.H. H. Holmes shit. Yeah, like, yeah. They would, like, fire somebody and bring somebody new in so yeah. that nobody really knew what was going right. on with the airport. Weird. It Before it was even made, there was already a conspiracy about the place. Amazing. I know. <laughs> so fun. So first we're going to... That's basically the, the amount of history I have for you. Cool. Love, Love it. it. Uh, we're going to start by going into the secret societies that are involved with DIA. Or not involved. Well, you decide if they're involved or not. But these are the ones that are claimed to be involved. Uh, first one is uh, Freemasons. Have you heard of them? Oh, yeah. So they're a centuries-old society. And people claim that they have controlled the airport ever since it opened. And... Um, how do you control an airport? What By, does that like, mean? hiring and firing people. They're the okay. ones that are, like, making these decisions, I guess. Okay. That's what I imagine it's like, We don't want a Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory in here. Wait, was that something they said no to? No. They, well. Oh. I was like, I'm why would nobody ever I'm want... I'm just saying that's the first thing I, th I think of, because whenever I fly, I go get that. I go get their mountain toffee. Is it there? Yeah. There's one in the airport? Yeah. Holy fuck, why have I never gone? I love their candy apples. We have one here. <laughs> In Loveland? Yes. <laughs> We're going tomorrow. Oh, my God. I want a candy apple so bad. <laughs> okay. 
Literally, when I worked in Albuquerque in the mall, I, like, every fucking week would go down to the Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory and get a candy Yeah, apple. we have one here in town. Shit. <laughs> well, okay. I've learned something because of Denver, so thank right. you. <laughs> Anyways, back to the Masons. The purpose. Um, Freemasons, they have ties to the New World Order. Do you know what that is? I do. Well, I'm going to tell, tell me. for the listeners in case they don't know. Can <laughs> um, I just say no? No, I don't. Okay. I want you to be honest. Okay. If you know, then great. I'm just, yeah. just going to tell you about it anyways. Let's go. <laughs> um, I just think it's more entertaining if you say no. Oh, it is. It's like more exciting for me because I'm like, oh, I get to tell you something new. Okay, okay. But you don't lie to me, please. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> anyways, the New World Order is a group of global elites who wield power over internal affairs, and they are also an organization that is supposed to rule human- humanity in the event of an apocalypse. So... Take that as you will. Um, there's a dedication plaque at the airport's south entrance. It's dated March 19th of 1994, and it contains a time capsule and bears the symbol of the Freemasons, which is the I've compass. never been able to find it. Have you? Um, I don't think <gasps> I've really looked for it. We could go to the airport and like look for it, I'm sure. Cool. Um, it's at the south entrance, according to my research. Um, so it has a symbol of the Freemasons, which is like the compass with the G in it. And mm-hmm. I'm sure everyone, if you've seen it, you know what it is. Um, as well as a reference to the New World Airport Commission. Weird. Yeah, which we'll talk about that in a second. I don't know what that is. Because it doesn't exist. Oh. And it's listed on this. That's weird. Yeah. Um, I'll show you a picture. I'll post a lot of pictures. This, this one conspiracy is going to have a lot of pictures because... It makes sense, eventually. There have also been strange markings that have been noted at the airports, supposedly in secret alien languages. <laughs> you look like you believe that one. I don't. <laughs> I don't believe that one because um, I'll get into that in a second. Um, but these are the debunkings that I found. And this... All of my debunkings are from the Denver Post. I found a an article that talks about specifically the conspiracies from DIA with the Denver Post. So I think that's very interesting that the Denver Post was talking about this conspiracy. Um, so per Denver Post, um, Freemasons are a legit fraternal and historically cloistered organization with civic ties to the airport's dedication. Um, there's no evidence to suggest that they have a hand in ongoing or planning or decision-making at the airport. Um, uh, these conspiracies about the Freemasons being whatever they are date back more than a century and were brought up in advance of the 2012 apocalypse fever. So people think that it was kind of danced in around that. So now the time capsule is to be opened in 2094, which is 100 years after the date that's on the plaque. Um, What do you think's in there? Do people know? So according to the Denver Post, all of my other sources state that nobody knows what's in the time capsule. But according to the Denver Post, because they were interviewing employees and shit, um, this time capsule has coins, a signed opening day ball from Coors Field, uh, Mayor Wellington Webb sneakers, and a few Blackhawk casino Who tokens. What's the Mayor's sneakers? I don't know. Uh, but among what, like your other running shoes, what? I don't know. It's, it's 1994. Weird. I'm man. just saying that's weird. 
it is weird. I'm not saying it's not weird. Um, but like just like random shit like that, they th- are claiming is what's in the time capsule. Um, and so the reason why the symbol, this is what employees are stating per the Denver Post. A lot of this, I'm just not. I'm not gonna say Denver Post anymore. I'm just gonna say things. Just assume if I don't say anything else, it's per the Denver Post. Cool. Um, the reason why the symbol is on the plaque for the Freemasons is that the Masons helped get the time capsule to the airport. So it's like a dedication to them for being able to do that. LOL, thanks for driving. Also, like, why what? couldn't anybody else have done that? Yeah. Um, and it's also a nod to local um, Freemason lodges in Colorado because there's Freemason lodges here, I guess. So I guess they wanted to do a little You're thank you, sir, to that. Mm-hmm. Um, do My grandpa was a Mason. Yeah? Did he... Well, no, my mom says he was something. Oh, I don't blacksmith. I don't remember. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the Smithsons. Yeah. No. Um, okay, so now the New World Airport Commission was named by Charles Anschbacher. Anschbacher. That sounds better. Named by Charles Anschbacher. Charles is an arts advocate who died in 2010. Um. So basically, this name is a reference to Dvorak's New World Symphony. I don't know if I pronounced his name right, but have you heard of the New World Symphony? <laughs> it. I wonder if I can find it somewhere. It's literally my favorite piece of music. I used what? to play it all the time on my clarinet. <laughs> I love it. It's so beautiful. Cool. Um. So I thought that was kind of interesting because I didn't know that this is... What had anything to do with had the anything airport? to do with the airport? I was just like, oh, I like this song. Dope. <laughs> um, and so then, according to a 2007 Westworld article, the commission was created only to orchestrate DIA's opening festivities. So it's literally an organization that was named and made for opening day, and right. then it was disbanded. That's weird. Weird, right? Like you don't do that. Like no. wouldn't you keep it around? It's like the party planning committee of the office. Like wouldn't you keep it around for future festivities? Right. And only like use it every once in a while. Yes. That's what I would think. Great reference. You're welcome. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is um these. Oh, sorry. Let me back up. I missed something. So these strange markings that I mentioned, they're actually Navajo language characters and references to the airport's artists. Hmm. So. Just because you can't read it doesn't Scamp. mean it's aliens. Debunked. Yeah, literally. Educate yourselves. Um, next would be clues to the apocalypse. So we talked about the secret societies. Let's talk about the apocalypse part. Those yucky paintings. Um, so I'm not <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. Almost there. So first I want to talk about in the Great Hall, there's um, symbols A-U-A-G in a mining cart that's carved into the tile of... The floor somewhere in the Great Hall. I've never seen it, um, but I've there's pictures of it, and I'll post that. Um, so A U A G are the atomic symbols of gold and silver. Yeah. Um, and employees and everybody's claiming that the this with the mining mining cart is a nod to our mining history in Colorado. Okay. But oh, this is the one that I don't I don't like this one. Why? Sorry. I just this one is it dumb or no? Spoopy. It freaks me out. Mm. Because, like, when I first heard this, I was, like, in high school reading about this shit. Yeah. Anyways. Um, conspiracy theorists believe that AUAG is short for Australian antigen, which is a deadly toxin and the Illuminati secret weapon. 
I don't know if I believe the Illuminati part, but this toxin literally has the power to wipe out mankind. Oh. It is like a deadly vapor. Who has it? Where is it? Is it Australia? I don't know. I think that's just a coincidence that it's named Australian antigen. So I'm going to get into um, Australian antigen again in a second, just because it ties into a different, another different conspiracy with the airport, but I'm not quite there yet. So I just want to stay on like these particular topics. So back on the apocalypse. Um, DIA has a total of 40 pieces in its public art collection. Um, The more popular of the collection are the colorful 28 foot wide murals. These were painted by Leo Tanguma. Um, And they are upsetting. They're very upsetting. Yeah, I'll tell you why. They're named Children of the World Dream of Peace and In Peace and Harmony with Nature. Um, People claim these things point to Nazi or fascist imagery in Tanguma. 10 out of 10 agree with that. Right. Um, That's all I'm going to say about it because the next part is debunking the paintings. So, How many are there total? Three or four? Four. Okay. And they're technically two sets. Okay. So, so are they, they go on, together. Are they on each side? Because, okay, let me, let's talk about DIA. So, you get there, and certain airlines are on the east side of it, and certain airlines are on the west side of it. Right. I primarily fly with certain airlines, so right. I have, I'm sure I've seen all four, but I know I've seen at least two of them more than the other two, because right. I tend to fly, like, Southwest or right. American, whatever. And they're, like, on the same side, so is um, it there's... It, are there two on each? Because I know they're in, like, the baggage claim. Like, as you're coming out of the main terminal into the baggage claim, that's where you see them. I think so. I, I don't think two I two, right? got into where they were in the airport. I don't know where else they would be. Currently they're covered. Right. So because everything's them. jacked up with all this like construction going on. So I think I've only seen I can only picture two. Okay, well there's four. Okay, go ahead. Um so next there's also um gargoyle sculptures near the east and west side baggage claim areas. Have you seen those? Have you ever seen the talking one? No. Have you seen videos of the talking one? No. I'll show you. <laughs> um, so, because of this, the the area is dubbed Notre Denver. Um, yeah. And they're kind of random, like super fucking random. We'll get into those again in a second. Um, there's a Mustang sculpture outside of the airport. It's called Big Blue Horse, Demon Horse, or Blucifer. It's oh, 32 Blucifer. feet tall. It's 9,000 pounds. And it has red glowing eyes. And it's often interpreted to be one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It also fell and killed its own creator, Luis Jimenez. And Luis's children are the ones that had to finish the horse after his death. I know. I don't know if I would finish it. Was he already commissioned for it to be here? I imagine so. And, like, paid for? I I imagine so. Um, Apparently, there have been several petitions to get the horse removed from the area. People hate it that much. I hate it. But they keep getting denied. Um, Every time we see something about the horse being removed, it's basically fake news. Um, According to an employee uh, interviewed by the Denver Channel, in February of 2020, the horse is an employee favorite and it will never leave. (laughs) That's basically what she said. (laughs) I condensed her words into it. They love it. It's never leaving. Um... There's also fencing around DIA, and it has barbed wire like most 
places do. Hmm. Um, but the a wire's going in, oh, not weird. out. So that's suggesting that it's keeping something in versus trying to keep yeah, something out. Yeah, that's weird. Isn't it? Um, so theorists hmm. suspect that DIA is used, will be used, not is, sorry, will be used as a prison or concentration camp in the future. Holy fuck. In the event of apocalypse. I've never thought about that before. Yeah. I've noticed that and I've never thought about it. Yeah. Nazis. Obviously, all of, obviously, quote unquote, these point to Illuminati, Freemasons, New World Order, or again, Nazis. So, like other conspiracies, all of these grabbed the attention, or grabbed people's attention more with the rise of the internet. Let's get back to the murals. The meaning of Tangumas, I feel like I'm butchering his name, I'm so sorry. The meaning of his murals is separated from the context of their creation, meaning they were created with one thing in mind and everybody else is interpreting it a different way. Fair. Um, so it, Tanguma's main thing that he wanted to do was tell the story of peace and environmental control after times of war and pollution. Um, but people focus on the grim imagery, but not the rainbow imagery. No way. Because the rainbows make everything better. There are... They're upsetting. Yeah. I'm going to literally describe them right now. Um, so it's suggested to um, the Children of the World Dream of Peace mural sets. It's suggested to read them from right to left. Um, they're currently not into that. They're not an exhibit because there is construction going on right now. But if you read it right to left, the right portion shows a dark scene of a soldier towering over children, stabbing a dove with a long knife. And Seen then that one. Yeah. And then the there's like in that dark imagery, there's like this weird rainbow thing that's mm-hmm. like curving around and going up and goes to the left. And it's leads to the left portion of the set, which is um, a colorful, positive scene where the soldier is now on the ground and children and people are celebrating above the supposedly dead soldier. Okay. And then, I'm not sure which way these ones are supposed to be read in, but there's another image. Um, it looks like a bunch of people with different backgrounds and heritages in, and there's like a bunch of animals and everybody looks distraught like the animals look like they're dead and then there's in the lower center area of the picture um a looks like a native american woman who's dead and everyone is like distraught there's animals that are in cages and then the world in the background's on fire oh and there's like a looks like a german girl that's also dead in a casket and then on the left side is an african woman it looks like maybe maybe another child i'm not sure an african woman who is also dead in a casket so definitely disturbing for that one and then the next one i think that's right next to it is everybody living in harmony like all different people of all different types of backgrounds are like standing above or in front of like this plant that looks like it's glowing and it's like everyone's like praising this plant it's really weird and then all animals are alive and happy and the world's not burning in the background so those are the um paintings that are in the airport i learned during this process that apparently denver for all public projects one percent of the budget has to be allocated towards public art being put on display so if we're basically just going with the over budget amount of the three billion dollars one percent of that is 30 million dollars so that's a lot of art that's a lot of money so maybe they were desperate and were like hey we just need somebody to paint something otherwise we can't have this 
Right, right. This facility. Yeah. Um. So, to the Mustang, the red in the Mustang's eyes were a tribute to Luis Jimenez's father. His father worked on neon signs, so that's why they glow and stuff. Right, yeah. Um, But, I mean, I don't know why you would choose red, because red is, like, red eyes are, like, demonic. Maybe red was his favorite color. I don't know. I still think the color choice was interesting. He could have gone with any different neon color, but red was his choice. Um, the gargoyles, on the other hand, are known as longtime symbols of protection to ward off spirits. And in the airport, they look playful, like they're popping out of suitcases. Their tongues are sticking out. Um, there's one that you said talks. His name is Greg. And he was put in... <laughs> His name's Greg. I'm not kidding. That's what the employee told Denver Post. His name is Greg. And he was put in... <laughs> he was put in February of 2019. And he's at the Southwest Baggage Claim 5th level. In case you're curious. Um, the next portion that I would like to talk about is underground bunkers and... More aliens. Um... Stories go that there are hidden bunkers underneath the baggage transport tunnels that are – those baggage transport tunnels are already underground. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Undercover Colorado, there's as many as six underground levels. These bunkers are designed to house billionaires and global political elites in the event of an apocalypse. Fair. That's the theory. Um there's also a story about a woman named Alex Christopher and a man named Phil Schneider. Um, they were at a conference in Denver, and Alex met some people who worked for DIA, and they took her down below where the tunnels were, just after the airport was built. And soon after, her friend Phil turned up dead of an apparent suicide. But theorists claim that it was an assassination, and Alex went silent soon after that. Hmm. So who knows what they saw, but possibly wasn't good um also while being built there are apparently five buildings that were built below the airport and these buildings were for some reason needing needed to be abandoned during the building process and instead of destroying them which is like i don't know common they just built other things on top of them and around them right so i don't know why you would like have these buildings built and then just leave them there and just build around them and on it's top of weird. them. It is weird. But again, I don't know. Money, maybe don't it's because they're underground and they thought maybe like collapsing them would make the foundation collapse. So um, because of all this extra space, people have thought that DIA will be a U.S. military's headquarters if the a war breaks out on home soil or for other reasons. And military needs to hunker down there. Sure. Um, there's enough room for airplanes to be stored, barracks underneath, infrastructure for above operations. It'd be a pretty nice place to hunker down, I guess, if you need it for the military. Sure. Um, so, going back to the Australian antigen theories, uh, there was a YouTube video that I watched when I was in high school. Maybe I can find it. It's like a five-minute video. It's really interesting. Um, and it's stated that there were, like, pipes or, like, hoses in the tunnels below DIA. Um, th- and they had, like, a spray capability, almost like some gardening hmm. hoses, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Um, and that AUAG can be sprayed through those hoses and kill people in the tunnels. Very similar to, like, Holocaust yeah. shit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that freaks me out. I don't yeah, like that. Sure. If it's true, I don't fucking like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Also, there's claims that lizard people or reptoids or aliens are also thought to be down in the bunkers. It is sometimes referred to as Area 52. And (laughs) lizard people supposedly are controlling the airport and can change forms as they work to rule the world. (laughs) Via an airport. Via an airport. How Um, much, like, what? (laughs) I don't get that. Get what? Lizard people? No, well... I don't believe that, but, like, controlling from a major airport, that makes no... What are you controlling? Like, flight patterns? What do you... What airlines do what? Uh, like, what would you control? I think it's mainly tied to... Um, I don't know if I'm going to get into this later, so I'm just not going to say anything yet. Pin a pin in that. Um, contractors who originally worked on the airport that was over budget and over a year behind schedule apparently saw evidence of bunker entrances and unexplained tunnels the multi-million dollar baggage system failed to work as it was made to which gives doubts about the intent and scale of the construction Hmm. it's like if you made this and you spent so much time on it why doesn't it fucking work sure um so there is an alien drawing and it's appeared on the walls along with blurry footage of lizard people down in the tunnels. <laughs> and it has shown up on various conspiracy websites. It's like Bigfoot videos, you know? Sure. Um, and these websites you can find pretty easily. Just Google whatever you think is relevant to finding those. Um, uh, reality is uh, roughly a thousand people work daily at DIA and it is a busy airport. They can't just travel around on the upper levels, so they use the underground tunnels to go... Where they need to go without having to get in people's ways. Right. Like, even just trying to go yeah. air, like, getting to your airplane, like, go using the escalators. Right. Holy shit. Like, those things yeah. are packed constantly. With passengers. It is so annoying. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so annoying. Yeah. Um, so, and then the tunnels are also used to ferry luggage to ticket counters, to planes, to baggage claim areas, and somehow they're still behind. <laughs> Have you ever checked yeah, in baggage? Yeah. It takes forever. I do every time because it's free for me. So I, I don't do care. I would rather put everything on my carry-on. I am not sitting there for two hours waiting for DIA. I've never to waited my... that long. I have. Because you know what they did once? Mm-hmm. I was flying back. It was in November. And they lost our luggage. And they're like, oh, wait. We left it outside. <laughs> in the snow. Oops. Was it wet? Was it so? Thankfully, I had a hard case suitcase, oh, yeah. so it didn't bother mine. But I'm like, we seriously were there waiting because they were like, oh, we don't know what's going on because there's like half of the plane is like missing their fucking. Yeah. They're like, there's no way that like there's something going on. So they mm-hmm. were like, oh, shit, we left it outside. And so we had to wait because wow. then they were ferrying other people's baggages. Right. It was so frustrating. No, I've, I've never had that happen. And the last time I flew, I got delayed. My flights got canceled. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck. I'm fucked. Like, yeah. I'm not going to get my bags back. All my clothes are going to be gone, blah, blah, blah. Everything's there. I I got, I got canceled, like, overnight. I had to go find a hotel, everything. and I have never had luck hmm. with doing that shit, so hmm. it sucks. The employees do all of this, um, like, the luggage and, like, going to where they need to in a pair of 7,000-foot tunnels that run alongside the trains. And um, do you... If you if you've been to DIA, you know what we're talking about. It's mm-hmm. The trains that take you from mm-hmm. concourse to concourse, depending yeah. on where your your flight is. Yeah. Um. So those are underground. Right. So, yeah. Um. These trains weren't immediately ready to use upon the opening of DIA. 
according to Denver Post, which I'm been like, so annoying. Yeah, I'm just like, what did you have to do? Like, did you actually walk. have to walk all the oh, way? Oh god, because those things go fast. Mm-hmm. That would suck. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, so there was a tour that Denver Post did that took them all around the tunnels, and you can see, you can Google to find that. I think you have to pay for Denver Post though. So if you pay and you have their newspaper or whatever you can see that shit i couldn't because i don't pay for it but basically according to the article they state that all the plumbing and electric infrastructure appears to end at the underground's lowest level hiding hiding anything else under it would have been an engineering fear on par with the channel that connects england to france (laughs) i didn't know that was a thing apparently it's a thing um (laughs) but that's they don't think that's possible. Also, over the year, oh, an employee states over the years, little personal touches have been made about the tunnels. So, um, as they were down there, the employee pointed out a hand-drawn alien image, um, as typical employee fun. <laughs> Imagine like your break room is filled with people like drawing, drawing on shit, and doing want. all this shit. Yeah, dude. So, like, if I worked there and I knew that people already thought this shit, I would draw stuff. Yeah. And then I'd find someone and be like, oh my god, look at what I found. This is the craziest oh. drawing. Yeah. Wild. Um, employees, that employee also stated there's a certain mystique to anything you can't see, such as the 4,700,000 square foot of underground space. And the employee continues to say, the fact of the matter is, it would take me three days to show you everything down here. Fair. So it's a pretty large area. Mm-hmm. Um, but like most of denver everybody that works in denver kind of embraces the conspiracies and totally runs with it Mm -hmm. so employees like to wear lizard masks as pranks while the media are down there on tours (laughs) i would do that yeah um there was one caught on camera by fox 31 kdvr denver in a video that was quickly distributed um I couldn't find it, but I just don't think I really was trying hard enough. I didn't really care that much. Um, There's also a theory that the location for DIA was given to humans by aliens. In Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind, there are coordinates that are in the movie that are supposedly right where DIA sits. (laughs) Um, But... This is debunked because the coordinates land approximately fifty mile. I'm sorry, fifty one miles northwest of the location. But people still question how a movie made sixteen years before DA even broke ground could have gotten that close to the airport. It's kind of weird. Yeah, so it's a little weird, but I think it's just a coincidence. Mm. Like Denver's a pretty easy area to pick, and they probably were just like, um, that looks good. This is a big empty space because it's basically where Denver is is a big empty space. Right. So now we're going to go into Nazi runways. Oh, I'm sorry. Nope, that's right. Now we're going to go into Nazi runways and the remote location. So DIA was built approximately 25 miles from downtown Denver, and it has very clear swastika-shaped runway configurations. There is a tunnel that is supposedly used to connect DIA to NORAD, which is 100 miles south in Colorado Springs. Ten out of ten would believe that. Would you? Yeah. Okay. I think NORAD's weird. The reason I think NORAD is weird is because it's in it's like right outside of Colorado Springs. And we used to play rugby there against Air Force Academy and uh-huh. every time we would go out there, the we always joked that they would control the weather. Like NORAD controlled the weather in uh, at the academy and every time we went there was nice weather 
And then we would get there to play them, and the weather would turn to shit every single time, like, three years in a row. And so we always joked that... They were fucking with it? Yes, because you would go outside the academy, and the weather was fine. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Nazi stories about DIA are the most popular for at least the last two decades, and despite the fun play with some of the conspiracies, DIA officials usually deny comment on these. (laughs) So they're, like, fun and games with the lizard people, but they're like, what about the Nazis? And they're like... (laughs) <laughs> what about the nazis <laughs> suspish um the aerial photos that we just talked about um show that runways do resemble a swastika but some argue that the fan-shaped design is to optimize takeoff into and against wind from different directions depending on weather patterns because of that area there's like a high wind the, like Denver's constantly like rerouting flights because of the weather. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I might be able to believe that, but I don't know. Does Chicago airport have Nazi runways? I feel like that would be a normal thing among any airport that has any kind of like adverse weather. Yeah, but it's not. Correct. So, the hundred mile long tunnel from DIA to NORAD is virtually impossible. But not really, but like kind of. So the world's longest underground rail tunnel, which is the Swiss Alps traversing Goddard Goddard base tunnel. I'm pronouncing that wrong. I'm so sorry. um, Is less than half that length at 35.4 miles and took more than a decade to excavate and construct. And? So that means that... Well, it's not a secret tunnel. 369... It would take about four decades for them to create that tunnel, and the ground broke in 93. And? I'm just saying that it would still not be built if it was a true existence today. Cool. <laughs> and? Macy's not convinced. <laughs> um, also, according to an employee interviewed by the DenverChannel.com, they say that the tunnels don't extend past the perimeter of the airport and are in total only about 1.63 miles long, which is not 100. <laughs> In case you were wondering. Okay. <laughs> um, so, as we said, DIA is currently under construction for new renovations, even though it is the newest airport in the U.S. since the 1970s, uh, and it is scheduled to be completed in 2021, and most of the airport is covered with barriers if you've gone there recently. Thank like, God you can't I'm over see it. the paintings, you can't go to certain places. You it's literally, just... I've watched people miss flights because of the construction. Yeah. It's that bad. Yeah, it's really bad. Um, to go back to what you were saying about why people would want to control the airport, I think it goes back to the conspiracies about the New World Order having ties to the airport. So in the video that I watched, basically, the idea is there's a mass apocalypse and all of the world's leaders come to the airport. Okay, so it's about the space and not about the actual business dealings Correct. of the airport itself. Okay, Correct. got it. Got it, got it so, got like, it. people, it's coincidental, I think, maybe, or it's... That it's an airport. Yes. Okay. I think the airport is being used as a, a cover-up right. for what everybody thinks it really is, Roger. which is... I got you. All of this. Right. Um... The, there there are people that own property close to DIA, mm-hmm. such as, I, according to this YouTube video, which I might have to put it in the show notes because I feel bad keep bringing it up without any, like, <laughs> without validity. Without a video to show. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, if I remember correctly, because it's been a few years since I've watched it, basically, like, really big people like Queen Elizabeth, um, 
that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Like presidents, um, people from all over the world have they have ties to owning property near the area of the airport. What's Queen Elizabeth owned? I don't know. Weird. So like they they're like, why are they owning property near the airport if they don't have something to do with the New World Order that is supposedly involved with the airport? Okay. Okay. Um. So the whole idea is that world goes to shit. Everyone comes to the airport. These famous people and big people come over here and they're like starting to rule the world right. from the airport right. and then basically start doing some Hitler shit and taking the people that they don't want involved and start sure. taking into the tunnels and killing them. Sure. Okay. And that's why it's thought to be a concentration camp because okay. of the way the fence is coming in. Right. And honestly, you can store so many people in that airport. Yeah. It could literally yeah. be a prison. Yep. That's it. That's all I have. <laughs> so you believe it or no? I I don't know. I would like to not believe it just because this is why I don't like conspiracies. <laughs> I would like to not believe it because the idea that this airport has been created to kill people mm-hmm. in the events of an apocalypse is fucked. I've sure. been there. Yeah. Like innocently just been there just taking a flight and who knows, maybe I'll be there in 10 years about to be gassed. Ooh. Isn't that weird to that think of? That is weird. I've never thought about that. Yeah. yeah that's so, scary. I'm good. Okay. I'm good with not believing it, but it's very interesting. Love it. I didn't know the alien stuff until I started doing this research. Yeah. Um, but back to what, again, Macy was saying earlier. Um, there are pictures as on the the barriers of where the construction is. They This is, again, like a little hat. Where they like to, like, toy with people and play in with the conspiracies. There's one that says um, on their under construction or underground tunnels. Right. They're like, what are we building back yeah. here? It's funny. Have, like a lizard person on there. Yeah. yeah. And then They're there's another one of, like, an alien. And it says, yes, Denver's got some secrets. <laughs> And then in fine print, it says, since the airport's opening in 1995, there have been endless rumors and theories. People say our underground tunnels lead to this, wait, lead to secret meeting facilities for the world's elite. Our blue horse is thought to have been cursed. Thought and that's on the cursed. sign. Yes. This yep. is all on the sign. Yep. Some believe we are thought to, or no, sorry. The lines are not straight. It's hard to read. Some believe we are connected to the New World Order, the Freemasons, and are home to lizard people. That's hilarious. Then at the bottom it says, learn the truth at denfiles.com. I looked up this website. It just takes you to the Denver Airport's internet, like, website. Lame. Yeah, and it's, like, telling you, like... Again, this is, like, why are you putting this on there to prove it? Because it's telling... It has, like, list yeah. of like their construction and like yeah. hope to be but again it's like you can put anything out and onto the internet yeah. and say like oh this is what the construction's yeah. for but you literally built yeah. an airport on top of secret tunnels yeah. so yeah yeah cool Whatever. i loved it that's Good all job. i got a plus babe thanks You're great thanks 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 um you can find us on instagram mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna be starting up a patreon yeah tonight yes we're starting up a patreon tonight so it'll be up for when you guys listen to this tomorrow yes and we just want to say thank you because we've had a massive amount of listenership lately in the last couple weeks and that is super exciting for both of us because we both had podcast before this still have podcasts that did not um experience the activity that this one has and so we're very thankful so yes check us out hit us up Comment on Instagram. You can email us at who knew podcast six 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 at gmail dot com. Yes. 
And then again, like with everybody that's new that's listening to us, mm-hmm. thank you so much. If you want to, not saying you have to, but if you want to give us a review, let us know how we're doing. Uh, especially on Apple Apple Podcasts, that's huge. Yeah, like, I, those reviews are gigantic. I want to know what you guys think, and if you guys like want us to do more of this or that. Like we're kind of right now just freeballing on things that like we're really interested in. Yeah. So like anything that you think might be fun or cool we're totally down for suggestions you want us to do more true crime do you want us to do more conspiracy theories we are here for you yep so love it thank you guys so much yep bye